Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast that explores assisted reproductive technology and how it's changing our lives and our world, especially in terms of how we have babies and how our families are comprised. I'm Ellen Trackman. I'm an attorney specialized in assisted reproductive technology law, and I am here with the co-owner of a surrogacy agency matching program that I run, Colorado Surrogacy, with my sister. Sorry, and I say I run it, but I don't actually do anything again. So my sister, Jennifer White, actually does all the work. That is exactly right. I'm going to go back to my napping. Go ahead. Oh, good, good. I'm really glad that you're going to go back to sleep. Yes, I am Jennifer White, and I am the co-director of Bright Futures Families, which is Colorado Surrogacy, Montana Surrogacy, and New Mexico Surrogacy. But even more fun than that is I get to be here and tell stories. I have to say this is probably my favorite hour of every week is to get and hear people's real stories. Um, I, I, I often cried this hour of this week, which is, you know, um, you know, oh no, cold and dead inside, but I do get to cry every once in a while. Um, this week, we are especially honored because we have a sister duo coming in to talk to us. Go no sisters! Yay, sisters! Uh, we have we are talking to Lainey Wolf, who you know in her day job, you know if you have to get like her Superman in the in the fo- in the phone booth, uh, she is a clinical physician liaison for Conceptions Reproductive Medicine. But in her superhero life, she is an awesome, awesome human being who has a really great story about how her family was created with the help of her sister. So we are very excited to talk to Lainey and her sister, Tessa. Today, we are here with very special guests, Lainey Wolf and her sister, Tessa. So Lainey and I know each other from Conceptions, and um, I was there for unrelated matters, but I ended up hearing her story in the parking lot, and it was waterworks and tears, and I'm so thrilled that she's willing to to share her story with us and all of you as well, and to bring Tessa, who's a major part of that story. So um, Lainey, Tessa, welcome. Do you guys want to give a short introduction of yourselves as well? Hi, I'm Lainey. Thanks for having me. Hi, I'm Tessa, and I'm glad to be here too. So we have to say from the start, obviously, everybody knows that we are sisters. So family is really important to us. And obviously, we are now talking to sisters. So we would love for you guys to start talk about your your relationship and your family. And just kind of, if you don't mind, just starting through your, your history in that regard. How do you know each other? Sure. We are very non-traditional sisters. Our parents met at a St. Patrick's Day party in 1981, I believe. Totally sober, I assume. Oh, uh, (laughs) yeah, uh because it was the 80s. And um, by, it was my dad and Tessa's mom. And by the end of July, they were married and we were an instant family. And did you guys like each other right away? Yes. Tessa had this beautiful kitchen, this this play kitchen, and I was so jealous because I didn't have anything cool like that. And she would share it with you? Um, at, the, at, the beginning, at the beginning, yes. Everything was shared and fun and wonderful. And we're only seven months apart in age. Wow. So it was instant best That's good friend. that you shared because I would say when we were young, there there was not so much on the sharing. So uh, yeah, good for you guys. Awesome. No, you you shared all of your My Little Ponies with me and let me write my name all on them, right? I'm, that, I'm not really sure was, there was a letting going on there. Yeah. That was with your consent. <laughs> no. um, I think we had we had good sharing. We we also had um some other like br- some like blackmail issues. Like, oh, I'm going to tell mom if you don't clean my room for the next six <laughs> months. Right? That's also normal. <laughs> That must have been some six, six months. That must have been some right. good dirt. Is that can that can that come out now? What, what was uh, it? Uh, it was a hamster situation. It was a gerbil. It was a gerbil situation, and his tail accidentally fell off, and it may or may not have been my fault. <laughs> oh, it was not actually fell off. <laughs> she was walking the gerbil with a shoestring on its tail. Oh no! <laughs> I didn't want to choke it. 
I didn't want to choke it, so I tied it to its tail, and apparently we oh, lost no. circulation. Wow. I mean, animal cruelty, oh. that's a sign for the... Oh, it is. It's a terrible, okay. terrible start. All right. Uh, it's a terrible start. Okay. Uh, and, uh, let's, let's move on. Let's so, okay. So we were this wonderful instant family, and then because it was the 80s, we had a big breakup somewhere in the middle. And then within five years, we were, our parents were divorced. And when they divorced, uh, Tessa and her mom moved about as far away as they could to Alaska. Wow. And so if you look at the big picture, this is somebody that I knew for five years in the 80s. I shouldn't have any connection with them whatsoever at this point in my life, much, much later. But that's not how it turned out. But so you guys kept in touch then after that, is that correct? Yes, we did. It was kind of few and far between. So the years we were together were from five years old to 11 years old. So that's not really ages that you, you know, um, like have pen pals or anything like that right after we would write letters. We probably kept in touch maybe once or twice a year um, up until our teen years. And this is back when we did write letters and we sent yeah. pictures, but this is when you paid for long distance calls. So it was very expensive to call somebody out of state. And there certainly wasn't email. There wasn't texting. None of that existed. Right, right. So, okay. So you guys kind of keep up and all that stuff. When did you really reconnect then? There was, I was in Tessa's wedding. She was at my high school graduation. She came out for my wedding. Um, I mean, that's an impressive connection to be, to be in connection enough to be in someone's wedding. Right. Or Tessa, you really just don't have any <laughs> friends. And I think, no, just lady was like an awesome bridesmaid. Uh, well, and two, uh, you know, I got married <laughs> super young. So yeah, I mean, of course I wanted my sister at my wedding, but um, yeah, it was, I had my sister and a family friend, um, daughter that was really close oh, to. I love that. And she, and this whole time she was your sister. Oh, yeah. Like it was, you oh, thought definitely. of her as your sister. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, For that's sure. lovely. I love that. For sure. So we were still, we were still together. Um, and then after my husband and I got married and, and Tessa and her mom were here for the wedding and we had, you know, a really fun time during that period of time. Uh, I think a couple of years later, we went to Alaska. I brought my husband out to see Alaska and visit you know, my family there. And I really think that's probably when we got, you know, the most reconnected because we spent a week together just doing the silliest, dumbest, fun stuff. And by this time I have two kids. So even when Lainey got married, I had two children. I started my family really early. We got married at 19 and 20 and then had my daughter at 21 and 23 with my son. So. Wow. So then Lainey, you go on then, and I assume also, you know, oh, no spoiler alerts here, but we're going to talk about fertility and infertility. You, you go on and easily have a family, right? Oh, this is, you know, that's how it works. super easy, right? Of course, that's how it works. So we got married and I, we were, we wanted a family immediately, but I decided to go back to nursing school before we started a family. So I went through another degree. <laughs> to go to nursing school. Um, and then when I came out, we started trying immediately after, uh, after we, after I graduated and about six months passed and we started, um, thinking, Hey, maybe we should look into this. And my husband, God bless him, um, said, Hey, uh, you know, maybe we should look at getting some testing done if this isn't happening right away. And, you know, most men don't do that. Most men have zero interest in having their little swimmers checked ever. Um, so he went in and got tested and had some issues with morphology, which is shape, which is now that I know as a nurse, super common. Um, and we got him retested and confirmed that it was pretty tough and it looked like we were going to need um, some more invasive treatment. So they said, well, we need to get Lainey checked if we're moving in that direction. So they got me checked and it turned out that I had really crappy eggs on top of what we were already dealing uh, with. What a double blow. Yes. 
So uh, I sat down with the doctor and they gave us a 5% chance of IVF working with my eggs and his sperm. Oh, wow. And, you know, we definitely could use his sperm, but it was more like we didn't have anything we thought we could fertilize, you know, with what we had to work with. Um, So we started seriously considering an egg donor based on cost, based on success rates, you know, 5% is, it's a lot of money for a 5% chance. And so I was 32 when we got the diagnosis, 33 when we, you know, started actually doing something. And it was actually my 33rd birthday that I was um, on a vacation with my husband and we were visiting with my stepmom, you know, my (laughs) ex-stepmom. From the 80s. I love that, that you guys stayed so close. That's amazing. Yeah. So I was sitting at her kitchen table on my birthday, which I happened to share with my husband. So on our birthday, oh, we were sitting at nice. her kitchen table and she said she had, she had known she had, and I had been in touch and she knew that I was struggling with fertility stuff. And she knew we had had a conversation about donor eggs. Now, mind you, at the same time, I have the sister who's it's now 27 hours of daylight, right? 27 <laughs> hours of daylight a day in Alaska. So Tessa and her family are building houses because it's they've got all the time in the world during the summer to do this. And I haven't spoken to her because she's going 100 miles a minute. So she doesn't know anything that's happening with me. And so I'm sitting at this kitchen table with her mom. And I said, you know, we're just we're just talking. And out of nowhere... My stepmom says, oh, I totally forgot to tell you, Tessa's going to give you eggs. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. That's a normal, normal offer. It doesn't really work like that. It's not really that simple. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah. So Tessa, what was what was the conversation from your side with your mom? So I, I'm just remembering that my mom and I were just talking about Lainey and just, you know, saying what was going on in her life. And, you know, my heart went out to her and I just... Um, Really, I said it nonchalantly, not even thinking, kind of flippant, like, ah, I have eggs. She can have some of mine. And it it was like not even a thought process of um, like what I was even offering. I really had never known anybody that had dealt with infertility. Everybody I know gets married out of high school. They have their kids. It just wasn't even in my life that I had known anybody like that. So to me, it just seemed like, well, of course, why wouldn't you do this? I had my kids. I knew I wasn't having any more kids. Wow. And did you have that conversation with your spouse or kids at this point? Not at that point um, until until my sister got a hold of me, <laughs> me and I realized, oh, I, I better mention this to the family that we're going to do this. So we're going to go on this journey. Yeah. Yeah. And Lainey, how, how was that call? You're just like, hey, Tessa, mom, mom says you're going to, you know, send me some eggs in the mail. Is that- no. I emailed her all this information. I emailed her like information on what the process was like. And I, and I wrote this really nice letter saying, I want you to know that you're under no obligation. And, you know, I, I don't want to be asking you and and it sounds like you've sort of volunteered, but I don't want to put that on you. And I just want you to have all the information before you ever make a decision. Yeah. Never heard back from her again. So Lainey, were you working in the fertility field at that point already? Nope. I was a nurse, but I was uh, working in the operating room and in the middle of getting this diagnosis and having to, you know, deal with the concept of using donor eggs. It turns out that my manager in the OR at that time was a former donor nurse and oh. held my hand and walked me through everything to expect. So I was That's definitely a great exactly person to have in life. where I was supposed to be in that job where I just had all the support in the world that I could have even, I couldn't have even imagined. That's awesome. So Tessa, did you not get the email? Did it go to your spam folder? What happened? And that was the time where email was really new. So I think you would check your email, you know, once every couple weeks. And no, that email never even came to me. Oh. And remember, it's Alaska. Email delivery is slower to Alaska. I, I totally will admit that. Yeah. With dial-up. It is. It is. I mean, but it just, it you know, that part of technology wasn't really a thing there. Yeah. So, Lainey, did you send a second email or a call? How did it, how did it go? No, I finally called her and she said, oh, I, I never got that. Yeah. And, you know, talk me through it. So I talked her through. We had a really nice long conversation. And then I did send her some more information again. Um, and a lot of it came down to, you know, you're, you know, seven months older than me. Like, I don't even know if you're going to qualify, lady. <laughs> you know, you're, 
you're kind of old. <laughs> right. Because Tessa, you're 33. Yeah, is at that... the time I'm 33 because uh, Lainey's birthday is in right. April and mine's in September. So. Yeah, that's that's old. Like, had you retired? Were you at a retirement home? Nursing facility. <laughs> right. No, yeah, right. Uh, pretty much. Pretty much. So, um, so Tess, well, and then, you know, Tessa had to talk to her family and decide if that was going to work for them. We also had to get her tested and screened and make sure she qualified. And at this point, I had never left my children or husband for more than a day or two. So, you know, to come out to Colorado, what, what such a trip. It was just, it was something that we really had to discuss as a family. And um, going back and talking it over with my husband, even this past week, he was like, do you remember that I was kind of against this? And I thought, I thought, I thought, no, I don't really remember that. But, um, <laughs> but I just, I started praying and just knew that this was the route that I was supposed to go. And um, yeah, he, he ended up being very supportive. I think the most thing that he was worried about is that I would feel like, um, that the kids were, were mine and yeah, it just, you know, and then through the process, you talk to a psychologist and everything. I had to do, um, a phone interview with a psychologist that would go through some information, I guess, just to see if I would even be a good donor, but, um, that's just never been the case. It's very, very cool. Right. So, so then, okay. So you obviously decided that you were going to do this and you went to, flew to Colorado. How long did you end up staying in Colorado? Three weeks. Oh, wow. That is a long time to be away from family. Um, so tell us about the, the process, the donation. How did, how did all of that work? I know there's some, some fun and shenanigans involved. So I'd love to hear you guys, each of your takes on it. (laughs) Did you want to go first thing? No, you go um, So, yeah, when I was telling my kids, it was a little fun. I have a son that um, has high-function autism. And so his response was he thought that it was going to be like Jurassic Park, the eggs from Jurassic Park that we would sneak in in a, <laughs> in a uh, Barbasol can. I, <laughs> and, I like that. Yeah. I'm going to use that, actually. That sounds right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, give them some Great. eggs there. Yep. And then, um, you know, they were kind of concerned, was I going to go to cook her eggs? What, what was I actually doing? What are, what is all about these eggs? So that was, that was fun just to kind of, those are some of our fun stories there. Um, once I got to Colorado, um, just, it was such a great time that we had together, just kind of reconnecting and bonding and just falling in love with my sister and her husband and, and just so excited for the process of what they were going to be able to go through and to be able to have children of their own. And so, um, just spending time there, um, obviously going to the doctors and, uh, Shelly, uh, Lainey's friend took me to our first doctor's appointment because Lainey was working and I spent a lot of time alone just at their house, um, because they both worked. And so just kind of, you know, going through the process of giving myself the shots and going to get blood drawn every day. Uh, were you giving yourself the shots or did Lainey give you the shots? No, I gave myself the shots. Yeah. She'd offered, but I just, oh. I thought, okay, yeah. 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 I'm one of those shot people. Yeah. I'm one of those shot people that like, as a child, I had to be laid on <laughs> to, for the doctor to even give me oh, shots. Wow. So that first shot, I was like, wow. what did I get myself into? <laughs> yeah. Uh. I, I know the feeling. So Lainey, were you also cycling at the same time? So were you going through injections too? Uh, yeah, but I was just on Lupron to suppress my system. And you know what? As a nurse, I can give anybody a shot. I can I can do pretty much anything. Giving yourself a shot is still really weird. It's still sort of something your mind has to wrap itself around. So we were both we were both doing shots at the same time, but she was on stimulation shots. Like she was doing all kinds of stuff. And I really was just, you know, suppressing my system so that I didn't ovulate through, you know, as we moved into, um, you know, what for me would have been the equivalent of a frozen transfer. We were just getting my, you know, my uterus ready. Um, we were out at dinner. <laughs> we have two stories where we we're out at dinner and once we were at the movies and Tessa was really good. Like we, we were really good about the exact time we needed to do everything and we were all over it. And we, you know, Tessa would pack all of our shots and have everything ready and we would go out. And once I gave myself a shot sitting at this huge table of people <laughs> in the middle of the restaurant, I just literally pulled out wow. my belly and shot up in the middle of the restaurant. That is impressive. I am sure I look That's like a complete awesome. and total druggie. <laughs> and then 
I did a shot in the in the middle of a movie. Like the movie was still playing. I didn't want to leave. It was right. a good movie. So I did a shot in the middle of the theater. Right. Do you At remember- least that one I wasn't directly under spotlights. Do you remember the movie? It was like a Batman no. Returns or Jurassic something. Park, yeah. probably. Batman Returns. It was something. Jurassic Park. It was like an action movie. Mm-hmm. It was good. Yeah. Whatever it was. Uh-huh. I didn't want to leave. So, so you actually, okay, so we get through all these shots. That's awesome. I could never, ever, one, give myself an injection in the first place, and two, <laughs> much less in a public place. Um, so, okay, you get to retrieval. What, what happened then? We get to retrieval, and it was, oh, man, that was amazing. We get to the retrieval. And they let us in the room. So we gowned up and we sat in the room. Um, So my husband and I were both there in the room while they did the actual retrieval. And it was, it was so cool. They would pull the eggs out and they were counting them. And, you know, and Tessa's asleep. She's under, you know, twilight anesthesia. She's sleeping. And then they got her up and they took her into a recovery room and she woke up and everything, they, everybody had warned us when she wakes up, the first thing she's going to ask is how many you got? How many did you get? How, you know, what do we have? What do we have? She they said, that's all anybody says. And she woke up and she looked at my husband and I, and she said, I love you both so much. And it just, I mean, it's just, it was such an act of love. Oh, sorry. I, 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 I'm, Lost for words because I'm over here wiping a few tears away. <laughs> um, so, okay. So you get the eggs. How many did you get? Since Tessa didn't ask, I'm going to ask. How many did you get? We got 21 eggs and 20 of those wow. were mature. Wow. Wow. That's, that's good. That's a lot. And the next day we were at Target shopping and we got the call that uh, only eight had fertilized. And that was a big disappointment because we were expect, you know, we went by the percentages. We should see this many mature. We had more than we thought. This many should fertilize. So we were already behind schedule of what we expected. Um, and I'm positive it was not an egg quality <laughs> issue. Um, so um, then the next day we had this photo shoot planned <laughs> and we went shopping and we bought these dresses and poor Tessa is now hyperstimulating like crazy and feels like she's super pregnant because her belly is all puffy and she's miserable. And we go buy these really stretchy dresses and we're getting ready for this photo shoot when the clinic called and it was, it was conceptions was our clinic conceptions called and said, yeah, these don't look good. You need to come in for a day three transfer tomorrow. We can't wait till day five. You have two really good ones. They look perfect. Oh, wow. The rest look like crap. Um, and I'm sure they said it much nicer, but that's exactly what I heard. <laughs> yes. Technical terms. The rest look like crap. So, so we, and you hadn't done the photo shoot yet. You're going into nope. it with this emotional. No, nope. And my makeup oh. was done and oh, I looked no. beautiful oh. and now I'm crying. Oh. So because my amazing sister is there, she just gets me back on track and says, we've got two good ones. We're going to figure this Aww. out. Let's go be beautiful. Oh, and so we go awesome. on to do, we did this photo shoot. And what the intention was, was that we wanted to have pictures of her and I together, kind of our feet, our hands, you know, kind of our, our eyes, our noses to see what was similar, what was different from us. So that when we had a child, we would be able to compare what this looked like, you know, just as a, you know, we're all family. Everybody has looks different. Everybody has different things, but we're all connected. So I had this great idea. And then we did this photo shoot and we were, we're like pictures of our hands, you know, and both of our wedding rings. And all of a sudden, we were in what appeared to be a lesbian wedding photo shoot, <laughs> which awesome. is awesome, but it's kind of weird for sisters, right? Yeah, you know. Um, and then right at the end, there was this conversation <laughs> with the photographer, who was a friend of mine, and she said, she said, I feel like we're missing something. And Tessa said to me, I feel like I should be giving you something in a photo. And I was like, give me something you're giving me everything. Like, what are you talking about? And so I, because I'm always thinking I'm funny said, Oh, how about an egg? You could give me an egg. And I just think I'm making a joke. And everybody says, that's the one. And we ended up taking a photo of my hand right in front of my belly. And Tessa is handing me an egg from the refrigerator in my hand. And it's such a beautiful image. And my belly is the background. 
it looks like a black background, but it's, it's my body. So it was, it was so symbolic of that. So we do have the framed photo of the egg and the belly and the whole thing. And then pictures of us, <laughs> in your wedding. And, yeah. you know, in our in wedding, wedding, our wedding photo shoot. <laughs> and that, fr- that is framed and hung outside of my children's yeah. bedrooms. So that every day there's oh, a reminder so nice. of who they are. Wow. So, okay. So you kind of spoiled it. So I, you, you said spoiler. I have children. So you have children. Have children. <laughs> so we went for the transfer. We were, my husband, Tessa and I went in guns blazing. We were going to fight to transfer three embryos. We wanted to make sure this would work. We were going to fight for three. We were ready. We went in. Even though you knew there's only two good ones. Even though we knew there were two good ones. So we went in and they showed us the pictures and the two they showed us were textbook. They were, they were as perfect as they could be. And the rest really did look like crap. (laughs) (laughs) And we, we all three took one look at this photo they showed us before the transfer and we all went, yeah, we're good with the two. Right? Do you remember that, Tess? Yeah, yeah, I do. I remember how wonderful it was to watch because we were actually watching from day one as those um, five were splitting and we could see just the process and it was so amazing. It was wow. it was really cool to have the pictures to see it because, you know, not every center does that. And it was just really neat to have that. Right. So they were sending you pictures every day? Uh, they showed it to us on that on day three. They showed us what they yes. looked like at each day. Oh, that's so cool. Do you, do you still have those pictures too? Do they let you see Oh, this? yes, I do. Awesome. Yes, I do. <laughs> I love it. I love and they're, it. you know, they're amazing. They're so special to have. It's, you know, not, I always tell my kid it's, yeah. kids it's their first picture. Right? right. That's what I was thinking. Like not many people have like that, that early a picture of yep. your child. Right. Yep. And this is, you know, before there was really genetic testing, there were, you know, a lot of the things that we have now in the field didn't yeah. exist then. So you could still fight to get two embryos transferred nowadays. It's pretty, you know, it's tooth and nail to get two, but we got two transferred. We did the transfer. I was on bed rest. We came home. <laughs> Tessa loves my bed. Came <sighs> just snuggled and, and laid there. And we had a, a good luck turtle and we ate pineapple and did everything that everybody says to do to help those embryos implant. <laughs> Yeah. And we just, we did, we just. Was was the McDonald's French fries a thing then too? Um, or was that a later thing? Yeah. Because that's a thing now apparently. Yeah, I think it's more, well, Tessa needed that salt. Tessa needed that salt for her poor hyper <laughs> stem. But we, right. we did, we just snuggled and just, it was just so special. It was so nice. People came and visited uh-huh. and we, I just sat in bed for days and just like had people coming to entertain me in bed. I mean, it was just, we had so much support and there was so much love for everybody around us. It just, it was such a special time. And so I assume, so at least one embryo took what, what happened then? Yes. So none of the other embryos, the crappy ones, um, none of them made it to freeze. So we knew oh. this, this was it. This was our only chance. And I was not going to subject oh Tessa God. to this I'm trauma you again. so nervous. Was, Tessa, were you still there to find out the pregnancy test or did you have to go back to Alaska? I was there for a, a good four or five days after we did the implant. So um, yeah, we knew that it had um, taken, that the babies were, were there. Yeah. You had a positive well, we were, well test. we didn't my pregnancy test was 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 you know about a week and a half later after yeah, the transfer because okay. we transferred earlier than we planned. So we just we just hoped and prayed that's all we could do. Yeah. And then we went to um I we got the test results back and then we got the next test results back <laughs> and then we went you know then we got to ultrasound and then we got to we got to the first ultrasound we saw the numbers and the numbers were so high we just knew both took and we got to ultrasound and both took, and we got to the second ultrasound and both took. Um, and that's when they said, this doesn't look like a vanishing twin situation. These both look really strong and healthy. And then sure enough, 35 weeks, you know, later, wow. Wow. deliver these two beautiful, happy, healthy, screaming babies who <laughs> moved in with me. I mean, we didn't have NICU time. We were incredibly lucky. Wow. That's great. Which I had is. a um, C-section at 35 weeks for uh, help syndrome. So I was really sick. No, no. I was really sick at the end, but the babies were healthy and that was really all that mattered because as soon as they got them out, I was healthy too. Yeah. And they are just incredibly beautiful, special 
little gifts. Aww. That's awesome. I love it. What What has been your relationship since they were born then? Uh, with me? Is that what you're asking? Yes. Um, yeah, with yeah. both of you. Yeah, from, from either of you. How do you... Oh, I feel like we talk daily if not if you know if not every couple days just a super super um, strong relationship and the one thing that I think is is the cool part of our relationship is it's not based around um, her kids it's it's based around us and our relationship I mean I I love I love the kids and I I want to hear about their life and what they're doing but it's not based on them it's based on our love for each other and that we're sisters and these are my nephew and niece and I check on them just like I do my other nephews and nieces that I have, you know, with my, my sister and brother-in-law. So Lainey, do, what do your kids know? What have you told them about, about their origin story? Clearly my... they have these pictures. Right, so they they right. do know something. They know something. So the best advice I got from the psychologist that we had to meet with before we were cleared to move forward with um, a donor cycle the best advice I got was to practice saying, practice telling the kids when they're babies and they don't know any better and they don't know any different. So when they were little, I would hold them in my arms, these, you know, perfect, sweet little babies, and I would tell them a fairy tale. So I would tell them that once upon a time, there was a king and a queen and they lived in a beautiful castle. And we had a beautiful wedding and they were ready to have children and it didn't happen. And they went to doctor after doctor and they had test after test. And one day the doctor said, you need a special gift called an egg from a special woman called a donor and you need to find a donor. And Auntie Tessa came along and gave us an egg. And that egg was put together with daddy's special seed and they put it in mommy's tummy and then you were born. And when they were real, when they were, gosh, probably three or four, you know, and then, and then we lived happily ever after kind of story. When we were three or four, when they were three or four, um, my daughter used to be able to tell the story and it was sort of, you know, she would tell the part of the story and she would kind of get through it. And, you know, as kids, you sort of model stories together. So she would get to the <laughs> Auntie Tessa, give us the egg. <laughs> and then my brother's toes were so long. <laughs> because, like, you know, when they were born, my mom said, wow, he has really long toes. And that's, <laughs> that's, how, that's how that's connected in their heads. Mm. You know, and then over time, you know, they kind of forget that, that story. And I always have to remind them, do you remember our story? Do you, rem- you remember the pictures outside your room? Uh, but, you know, you see it every day. So it's not a thing. And my biggest concern with having children from donor egg, this is – this is not my genetics. I mean, there is no question that Tessa is my sister all the way to my core. She was brought into my life. She was meant to be in my life. She's always been in my life. But we don't share the exact same genetics. So that's something that exists in the world. And we all have, now we have ancestor DNA. We have 23andMe. We have all of these Things where our world is only getting smaller, where everybody knows everything about everybody. So it was really important to me to not ever have a shock for my kids. I didn't want them to suddenly find out and feel like they'd been lied to their whole life. Everybody has one of those stories where they find, you know, somebody finds out something and it's really damaging. So I always wanted that to be open in our family. It was really, really important to me that that be something that was talked about. And then when my kids forget it, I'm like, come on, I'm really open with you about this. Why don't you remember? And, and do you, did you fear kind of like that reaction of like, you're not my real mom or that oh, kind of? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I kept a blog when we were going through all this because I thought, you yeah. know, I really just wanted to sort of journal and get all of my feelings and all of my emotions out and on paper. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I really, you know, sort of talked to myself about was, oh my gosh, I'm going to have a teenager. Uh, I'm going to have a daughter who looks me in the eye and says, you're not my real mom. So I have been waiting for that for a really long time. And and Tessa's waiting for them to show up on the door with a suitcase like, you are my mom. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And as a matter of fact, we went to visit Tessa last summer. Yeah. And 
we had had this conversation again. Like, do you remember why Auntie Tessa is super special? You have other aunties, they're wonderful, but do you remember what makes her special? And, you know, my daughter's finally kind of putting two two together. And she said to me, does that make her my real mom? (laughs) And I said, that's an interesting question. Uh And how I explained it is, she absolutely gave us the eggs that made you guys. But those eggs would die within 24 hours if they weren't fertilized by daddy's sperm. So that's a really important part because without daddy, you wouldn't be alive. But then that, that embryo that grows, that dies if it doesn't have a body to live in. And it wasn't going back to Auntie Tessa, which means if it didn't come to me, it, it's not going to live either. So it actually took all three of us to make you. So that gets kind of confusing and not everybody's family has that many people involved, but it always takes those three parts. And she went, okay, cool. <laughs> and moved on. Um, like, how, how is sex ed? Are you there yet? <laughs> okay. So you guys yes. a class. I'm going to explain how this works here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, I had heard rumors that there was discussion about sex, whatever that meant to <laughs> second graders <laughs> the end of last yeah. year. Um. And I went, oh, I'm a nurse. I always said I'd be really yeah, open right. about this. This conversation super yeah. sucks. I say, it doesn't matter how um, much you say that. It still sucks. <laughs> so I, was, I, I sat my daughter down and I said, okay, you know how we know the story? It takes sperm. It takes eggs. Do you know how they get together? And my daughter went, oh. Huh, In a no. lab, obviously. In a lab, obviously. <laughs> of course. So I said, you know how this happens naturally. So I started to explain, you know, how those parts come together. And the absolute best part about this, my daughter was like, okay, that's interesting. That's, that's, that's something to think about. And all of a sudden she went, oh, wait, is that what you and daddy did to have us? And I was so, so grateful to be able to say, no, not at all. As we never thought to try that. You, you were made in a lab, so there's no evidence that we have ever had the same. Ever. I love it. Phew. Awesome. So, you know, I'm off the hook yeah. there. And Tessa, you were saying that they're like a niece or nephew to you. Did you have you discussed with them directly? Has I mean I know they're still young, but I'm kind of curious. Has there any ever been direct discussion about kind of how you're special and this part you played in their lives? We haven't yet had that kind of discussion. They were here last summer, but there was so much going on where we never did get a chance to do that. I just, you know, give them hugs and love. And I feel like whenever they're, they want to go there and, and learn more, or if they have any questions or if they ever feel like, um, why did you give us up? Because I feel like that could be a thought process, even though I don't feel that way. I feel like kids could feel that way of just, you know, just telling them that the same thing that Lania just said about, um, that egg would be gone. It, it doesn't turn into a baby by itself. You know, it needed your dad and your mom's blood is the lifeblood that flows through you. That's what helped you to develop into an actual baby. That is your mother, you know, and just letting them know how much that, of course, that I love them and was willing to give that for them. But, um, but yeah. And, you know, we had had a really interesting conversation leading up to the donation and, you know, Tessa had spoken to her husband and they sort of had a plan for what they were, you know, that he was on board and apparently he was on board and moving forward. And she said to me the most, the most interesting thing that I never would have thought of. And she said, I'm I'm just going to have a period and that egg is gone. Like it doesn't, I don't have any connection, but she said to me, you know, if you needed blood, I'd give you blood. This is the same thing. She said, but um, I'm not carrying a baby for you because she knew having carried a pregnancy, what her connection was to the genetics and to the carrying. And I know you guys work with a lot of, a lot of GCs who, who carry pregnancies for other people. And that is an amazing gift. But my sister who gave me the greatest gift on the planet for me said, I'm not doing that for you. (laughs) That's fair. I think it takes all kinds to do all of those things. So, so Tessa, how do your kids feel about them. I mean, do they have a different feeling or do they just think of them as their cousins? They totally just think of them as their cousins. And they were, um, 
nine and 12 when I went down for those three weeks. So talking with my daughter now, who is 22 years old, she'll say things like, wow, you know, it was weird when you were gone that long. Um, but that's where she sees it. She doesn't see it as, as the whole process. And um, she, um, the, the kids have some similarities with, with my kids, obviously. They have some character qualities or some facial qualities or different things that, that come out. And, um, and it's cool, but it's just like anybody that has cousins. Um, I've always felt even growing up that I looked more like my aunt than my mom, you know, and I think that that's just, they've always just seen it just like that. They've seen, um, family friends that are cousins and the cousins look like twins themselves. And so, yeah, I don't think that it ever even has even occurred to them that that would be. They, they don't think of them like my stepbrother and sister or, yeah, no, not at all. Well, and we, there's little things. Before any of this happened, Tessa's daughter has beauty marks on her face. And I have beauty marks on my face. So like little things where she would say, oh, you get that from Auntie Laney. Like, no, there's nothing. But you, but Tessa, you said the same thing. Your son's height comes from my husband, who's really not connected at all. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Just, just exactly. You know, it's just family <sighs> stuff. So we always, we have conversations where I say, oh, yep. You get those, you get those gorgeous legs from Auntie Tessa. <laughs> but I think my daughter gets her nosebleeds from my other stepsister on the other side of my family. <laughs> is, so I'm telling you. Right. <laughs> Well, and when I, when, when I was in the hospital holding this brand new baby, I had my daughter in my hands and I looked at her and her nose was my nose. She had this cute little upturned wow. nose. Tessa's gorgeous, but it wasn't Tessa's nose and it was not my husband's mm. nose and it was not anybody in his family. And I know Tessa's entire family. Her dad's family used to babysit us when we were little. Like I know these people. And that nose didn't match. And I turned to my husband and I said, I think she has my nose. Is that possible? And my husband said, well, the nose is not genetic. The nose has to do with the amniotic fluid and the pressure in the womb. <laughs> your, your husband's a doctor. Yeah, of course. And of course. He works in computer science. Uh, and I said, uh, oh my gosh, really? And he said, no, are you a nurse? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, and as my daughter's aging, I see she's such her dad. But when she was younger, I saw me in her, which makes no sense. But my son, I definitely see, we definitely see Tessa in him. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you got that from your aunt. You know, we all, genes manifest yeah. themselves in so many different ways that, you know, I, Tess is gorgeous. So I'm more than happy to have any of her reflected in my children. Oh, yeah. Uh, you guys have such an amazing story. Um, Tessa, looking back, I mean, is there anything that you would change or do differently? Or do you kind of feel like this was exactly how it was meant to be? Yeah, looking back, I just know that there was a divine plan for all of this to happen, that there's no way that we would have become sisters and stayed in contact and developed this relationship that this would even be a possibility without some some other influence. And I just I'm just so thankful and grateful for that. And I'm I'm thankful for um, just my relationship with my sister and her family and yeah, there's nothing that I would change. Maybe spending a little more time living together closer. or living closer. Living in the same yeah, time would zone be, uh, would be we, we always talk. so far apart, right? Yeah, we we always talk about uh, like doing a spring break or something, you know, as the kids are still growing up. My, mine are all out of high school now. But now we have these ones that we could go and visit and hang out and spend some time with. Yeah. It's amazing to hear you say how thankful and grateful you are because – I mean, you're, you were the one who gave this amazing gift. That's it's amazing to hear that. It's, it's, uh, it's the kind of gift you can never say thank you enough. Right. I feel like I need to send her a Mother's Day card every year for making me a mother. I need to, you know, uh, I, you know, I always, I always joked with her that 
you know, here's your real simple magazine subscription. Thank you for the gift of my children. Happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Because that magazine subscription totally compensates for the gift of life that you gave us. Right. Right. Uh, Totally. Oh my God. You guys have so much love. I cannot even like, I'm, I'm overflowing over here. And Ellen, Ellen knows me well enough. No, I have like a super cold dead heart and you guys have made me like, (laughs) I I do not think she would give me an egg. I don't think she'd give me like a chicken spoiled egg if I asked her. Oh my God. I'm over here. Like I'm I'm crying. Oh, well, and it's, it's, I'm telling you, this process was so eye opening, and it was such just an incredible experience to go through and so bonding. And, you know, we just, you know, our family is so grateful. It's when we were getting married, my husband would say to me, you know, she's not your real sister, right? When I would like, you know, write stuff out for the wedding and all the things we did. I'm telling you, she gave us these babies. Yeah. He's never yeah. said that again. He calls her your sister right. because- yeah. You know, he comes from a very traditional family, one mom, one dad, one sister, everybody's been married forever, everybody will be married forever on every side of his family. So for him, like our crazy mixed up, you know, married, divorced, whatever background was very different for him. And it was kind of hard for him to follow and understand. And then we went through this process and he could not be more connected to Tessa and her family. Now that's our family. There's no question. And that's really nice to have. Cause I don't even think he was, you know, doing anything intentionally. He really just didn't see the family. And we knew that we had this strong connection. And we always said we had this strong connection because of our crazy childhood that we went through together and how bonding it was and how special it was. And we'd said that forever and ever and ever. And now we have this extra bonding thing on top That's of amazing. that. Um, when did you change jobs? Like, how did you, when did you decide that kind of your, your calling or that you would switch to work in this area? So after you, after yeah, you go right. through this process and, you know, you learn a lot, it's, you, there's nothing you learn in uh, nursing school about fertility. There's not. So I had a lot of um, pre on the job training. And, uh, then after I had the babies and stayed home for um, a little while, then when I was ready to go back to work, I went back to work as an IVF nurse and I did that for six years. And I worked specifically on the IVF side, not the donor side. And people kept saying, well, shouldn't you work in donor if you, you know, have been through this and can speak donor. And the truth is, is that a lot of people need their handheld when they're moving from trying IVF for themselves or maybe not being able to do IVF for themselves to move on to kind of the donor side. And I felt like I was in the exact right place to hold those hands and sort of help them cross that bridge into donor because a lot of people are not open about it. They don't talk about it. They don't, you know, they're your next door neighbor probably to donor, but you don't know. You just think she at, you know, 43 right. spontaneously had perfect boy girl twins. No, I, I feel like that's a much more common story is the anonymous donor or they, we just don't talk about it. And- yeah. And so people, they don't, they don't tell other people and they don't know that you've been through donor, you've been through this experience. So I was always happy to share my story with my patients and say, you know, look, you know, you've known me for six months. We've been through a lot together. You should probably know my background. This is how I came into this field. And this is what I know. And this is my experience. And I had so many people that I just watched their eyes open up and say, oh, oh, this is more common than I thought. Yeah. You actually do know people who've used donor. They just haven't told you. So I wish you know, it's like my dream that people would be more open about that because it's such an incredible experience, whether it's an anonymous donor or a known donor, it's still an incredible experience to go through because someone is giving you a gift, whether you know them or not. And it's just such a cool thing to go through to have this, you know, gift of life at the end of it. So that's, you know, that's, that became my passion. And now, um, at conceptions, I actually work sort of on the other side of things. And I go around and I meet with physicians and I talk to them and I sort of educate them on the field of fertility because just like nurses don't get that training in school, doctors don't get as much as they need to either. So I get to do that. I get to, you know, do all kinds of different parts of marketing now. That's incredible. So 
I have to say the love that I have felt between you two is incredible. You, the, the fact that you guys have even given generously other than a small amount of your time to share your story with us and with everybody else has been absolutely beyond incredible. And I'm, I, I really, I, I, I'm not kidding. I, I am like cold and dead inside and you guys have made me cry. So, I mean, like you've touched me incredibly. <laughs> oh no, it was so, she is so not incredible. Your, your love is, I, I can feel it in the room with me here where I am. It so, Tess is in Alaska so and you can still feel it. I know. And I can feel it all the way where I am. And I'm not even going to tell you how far away I am. I'm not even in Colorado yeah, you're right now. on the other side of the world. <laughs> exactly exactly so you guys thank you so much for coming and sharing the story with us we appreciate it so much thank you thank you thank you lesson of the day i feel like there's so much to draw from laney and tessa's story it's so sweet and amazing but i think one of the main things is just that this is this is a beautiful thing and i think there is a lot of fear around gamete sperm and egg donation and how children will react. And I think that um, Lainey and Tessa and their relationship and how they introduce it to the children and make it so, so normal and so open. I think that's the most amazing part. And I think it's really, um, you know, a real guide and, you know, a way to do things for others who might, might be going down this path. I agree. And you know what else would be normal and open would be if people <laughs> if people would review us on iTunes, that would be a totally normal and open thing for everybody out there to do. Uh, yeah. We, <laughs> we also do love to hear from people. Uh, if you would like to give us a call and leave us a message, our number is 303-997-1903. Hour. We love to get emails from people, and um, we actually, I believe, at some point here, Ellen is meeting up with somebody who sent us some fan mail. So, like, we we seriously, <laughs> we do love to talk to people. It's awesome. Uh, Hope they're not right, going to murder me. Right? We, we, we <laughs> cannot say whether this has happened or not yet. So, we're going to keep everybody in suspense over whether Ellen will be alive for the next recording. <laughs> um, and one other thing, and. Um, we would love to have everybody who is available and near to us join us for the Colorado Walk of Hope on June 23rd. You would get one of our awesome, awesome award-winning t-shirts if you do. Uh, if you're not able to join us in Colorado or you don't live in Colorado, Resolve is a great organization and we could either take donations from you if you wanted to support our team or just if you would like to support Resolve in any way, shape, or form. Those funds go to an incredible, incredible cause of advocacy. So that is what we're about to be up to. And we would love to give uh, thanks, as always, to Chris at Work at Bird Studios, who makes us sound incredible. So I hope everybody has a wonderful week. Bye. Bye.